I am sitting in my palatial recording studio, and uh, I'm on the phone with my dude, Derek Yarbrough. What's up, guys? What's happening, Derek? How's, uh, how's life down in Texas, man? It's pretty good. We just uh, we just finished up our, our Tuesday night sim race with all the yep. all the regular characters. We had Eric Kutul, a bunch, a bunch of guys in there. Kitten Cook was in there. Man, you got a pretty good crowd on the. Uh, that's like what Trek Midwest is like the name of the group or something. Or uh, I think you called it Grid Life something at one point. I don't know. Yeah, I started it last year because I was getting a, I was getting ready to do comp school and I wanted to kind of just practice, sort of replicate club racing. You know, do qualifying yeah. and then like a twenty-five or thirty-minute race. And uh, I just called it grid life whatever and then didn't think it, you know i didn't think it would it would get as big as it did and just started running the races and then before you know it we were getting 30 40 people and we would just run miatas yeah and then we after we ran it and you're racing on i racing yeah on i racing yeah yeah we we uh we ran it for like most of the winter and then when the racing season started up, it kind of fizzled out yeah. and, uh, and it's starting to get cold again. And Eric sort of Eric Kudel sort of took charge of it and he set up a league and made it a little bit more, more polished. So if anyone wants to yeah, come, I race with turn us. it into a real thing. Yeah. Yes. You had like uh, 40 cars tonight, right? This is your second race of the season. Yeah. Second race, mid Ohio. We had over 40 cars, and uh we do we do qualifying you know just like club racing 20 minute qualifying open qualifying yep so everyone goes out and i think our top our top 20 top 20 people were were within two seconds and we're running on mid ohio yeah and we're running the mustang the fr 500 yeah how how are those cars on i've never driven that car in uh in i racing how's that car in mid ohio so it's a, I mean, it's a pretty old car, like as far as the game, like they built it a long time ago. And so okay. it's not as nice as some of the stuff that just more of the more recent cars, like the graphics and, and all that to the actual car itself aren't as good. And the setup that it comes with from iRacing is terrible, but the, uh, <laughs> but the, I think Eric found a, he found a new setup for it, um, off of forums or something and we're running that one and it's pretty good uh the tires go off you know 20 minutes in 15 minutes in but it's it's pretty fun it's uh it's a lot different so we ran the miata all season last year and the the mustang is really not that much faster than the miata lap time wise but it but if you if you get in the throttle early it'll get a little sideways sideways on you and you can kind of dance it out to the to the edge of the track, uh, it won't just loop right away, so it makes it pretty fun. Yeah, I've been uh, I've been kind of just practicing. Uh, I, I feel like I suck too much. Just I, I still suck too much to race, and I don't have any time anyway. I just been practicing with the Global MX5 Cup or whatever. But um, I was just on there last night for a little while. But the uh, the races you guys do look fun. So. Yeah. Um, uh, so I have to introduce you to people because a lot of people probably didn't hear you the last time you were on here because that was like 200 episodes ago. But uh, uh, you are—you became a buddy of ours 
just because you found the show and started messaging us um, a long time ago. And uh, and then you helped out with some articles when we were trying to do article things before we both, you know, realized that's hard and stuff. And uh, and now uh, and yeah, now I like talk to you like every day because you're in one of our one of our big group chats and uh, and you bug Brad Adams and stuff like that on the group chat all day. <laughs> but uh, yeah, you live in Austin, Texas, and you have played with a bunch of different cars. Yeah, yeah. So. I found out about you guys because I I bought, you know, which was my dream car at the time. I'd always wanted a C6 Corvette. Like the those the uh, Z06 wide body Corvette came out whenever I was 16. Yeah. So the uh, C6 Z06. And so I'd always wanted that body when you were... that body style. <laughs> Man, the C5 came out when I was 16. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> but uh Make me feel old. Oh, come on. Well, not not quite, but almost. Oh, come on. Almost. I think I was 14 when the C5 came out, 15. Yeah, I don't I mean, I was I didn't even care about cars. I was probably 13 or 12 or something. I don't yeah. know. But anyway, I got that Corvette and uh decided I want to do a track day and then once I get it all about something, I kind of go both feet in. And, uh, you know, then of course, like my Instagram is all, you know, HPD, you know, track day, everything. And I think mm-hmm. I was just searching through hashtags one, one day on Instagram, you know, I might've been sitting in the bathtub or something searching, searching through. I think you told me you were in the bathtub. Yeah. So yeah. I was searching through hashtags. <laughs> so and, romantic. Uh, I think it was, uh, I was just searching that I, I, you know, went off on a hashtag tangent and, uh, was, and got on a slip angle hashtag you know, cause there's more than just the podcast on that hashtag, you know, it's like people drifting and stuff mm-hmm. too. And, uh, I just clicked yeah. on y'all's Instagram and then just started listening to the podcast. And that's how I learned about grid life and all that. And kind of just went from there. Yeah. And so we've, now we've ruined your life. <laughs> yeah. I think I was heading down that road anyway. I might've yeah. just last year. You Go ahead. Yeah, you 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 finally did come to an event last year, right? You came to Midwest Fe- or uh, South Festival last year. Yeah, I came um, to for the first my first Grid Life event I attended was South twenty sixteen or twenty seventeen. Was it sixteen or twenty seventeen? Yeah, it was last year. Yeah, it was it was, it was last, last year. year. It was the one that Ludacris was at. Yep. Yeah. And uh, I flew in, flew into that, and I rented a uh, Camaro SS. And uh, flogged yeah, you, it all weekend at Road Atlanta. Yeah, you worked worked grid and uh, yeah, just generally helped out and kind of did uh, similar things at both festivals this year. You were uh, you were instructing also this year. So yeah, and, and this year I came to Midwest and South. Um, yep. yep. And I flew flew to Midwest and actually for South I road tripped um, from Texas with the dog. Oh, and that's the right. Wife. You brought your wife. Yeah. Yeah. Your wife seemed to have a pretty good time at at South Festival too. So yeah, man, she had a great glad, time. Uh, I mean, that was the only time. I was glad to see that. Only time I left the racetrack and you know actually saw a smile on her face. Uh, the the <laughs> <laughs> when you drag her to a club race event, it's not so fun for her. Yeah, she's she's pretty bored at the local events around here in Texas. We don't really have anything like that, and uh, doesn't doesn't take long before she loses interest. But at you know at Grid Life, there's. Uh, there's just a, more to see and more for, you know, she can walk around and look at the shirts and then there's a concert at nighttime, always something going on 
you know, it's yeah, stuff to do, stuff to do. Yeah, so so next year I'm planning on bringing her to Midwest and South or whichever cool. whichever festivals yeah. Grid Life puts on. Yeah, Midwest is a Midwest is a fun one. I, I I like the temperature usually too. It's not so freaking hot, but yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So you started doing you started doing uh, doing HPDE stuff, and then you went to comp school, and you got rid of your your Corvette, and now what are you driving? So that was kind of that was kind of a journey. I uh, I was running that Corvette for a couple events, you know, just kind of going up through HPD one, two, three. Um, yep. It didn't. It took one or two events before I realized I wanted to to go racing. After I did, I think two track days. You know, it was like, all right, you know, I want to race. I grew up racing <laughs> motocross, and you know, running around yeah. doing laps is kind of boring. And uh, so. I think it was my third my third track day. I uh I took a ride with my instructor and he had a NC Miata um that was pretty much completely stock. It had seats and a roll bar and Yokohama slicks. And that's it. Yeah. And uh he took me out stock suspension and everything. He took me out and I realized real quickly that that vet I was driving wasn't any more fun and that Miata was a whole lot cheaper to run. Definitely. You know, I, Definitely. I think I, I think I bought one or two set of brake pads for that Corvette and I was like, God, I can't keep doing this. You know, I was in grad yeah, school. Brake pads are probably a couple hundred bucks, right? Yeah, it was 500 bucks for a set of brake pads for that car. No way. Yeah. For, for, for front, oh for front and rears. Yeah. Man, how the other half lived. I can't believe that. <laughs> yeah. And and the thing is that they only last like two weekends. Two or three weekends. Yeah. You know, it's it, Man, my Willwood pads are like eighty to a hundred dollars. And wow. and it's especially bad on that, that Corvette C six, the Z O six and the Grand Sport okay. because uh just they have just real crappy calipers and uh they flex and pad taper and do a bunch of bad stuff. Yeah, so the pad wears dumb. They're not they're yeah. not terrible on street tires. When I had that that I just was running it on like Pilot Super Sports, but once you yeah. you know, you have to upgrade the brakes on those cars. But and, and how much do those things weigh? Like 3200 pounds or something like something that. Something like that. I mean, mine was just a street car. I think like yeah. 31 32 something like that. But it's going to tear up tires too. It's and those tires are huge. Yeah, it's like 345 so on the back. More. And Jeez. I don't remember what in the front, but yeah, like I said, we're two yeah. two thousand, and uh, that's uh, that's a lot of Hoosiers for that, that's like two full sets of Hoosiers for uh, for an NC or a Civic or something. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it's kind of funny though because, uh, you know, I, I was riding with it with my instructor, um, which is a good friend of mine now, uh, my buddy Chris uh hamilton he runs uh radical down here in texas now but uh oh, cool i was riding with him and i was thinking to myself that he's just breaking later and everything else is the same you know it's like this is just more fun and cheaper yeah your corner speed's probably pretty similar yeah yeah i mean he was on yokohama slick so is he going even faster in the corners yeah um yeah that's probably true and you know i, I kind of uh, my, I think I put the Corvette up for sale after that weekend, and uh, <laughs> I ended up buying that car. Oh, that that's your car. That's now. my car now. Yeah, 
So oh, okay, okay. Yeah, my buddy, and he's got a radical now. Yeah. yeah so he he's had like more high end cars, and he was in between a uh, a cup car. He had one of uh, Patrick Dempsey's old cup cars. Okay. And uh, he sold all his cars and then bought that Miata that I now own, brand new from C.J. Wilson, as sort of like an intermediate, you know, intermediate car, like in between in between till he's thinking about what kind of high end car he wanted to get next or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, you know, yeah, I think he, he was said slumming he, it just to, just to decide. <laughs> yeah. I think he was like, I was taking out clients and stuff with it. He told me anyway. Um, so he, so he, he bought it from CJ Wilson and had them, he bought it brand new and it's just a, you yep. know, base model, uh five speed, you know, no, uh, power locks or anything, just, you know, minimal options. And he had them put some OMP seats in it, roll bar, and an OEM Mazda hardtop. Okay. And when I bought it from it, it had 3,000 miles on it. Whoa. All track miles or what? Pretty much. I think they drove it down from Austin to to Corpus Christi. And then from there, it just rode around on the trailer. <laughs> so I lived a hard life for the first 3,000 miles. Yeah. and uh, And since then, it hasn't been back on a trailer yet. I, I even drove it to comp school. Yeah, you actually wheeled it to comp school, right? Yeah, yeah, I drove it, drove it to comp school. Um, what track did you end up doing comp school at? I did it at Coda, so that's what I thought. Yeah, that's what I thought. yeah. Over over the next like, I don't know, year and a half, I you know slowly started prepping the car, you know, with aim toward getting it prepped for, uh, getting it prepped for wheel to wheel. You know, just started doing you know, just suspension, diff, uh, just pretty much everything but power. And then the last, yeah, what did you end up doing? Is what did you end up doing suspension and diff wise? Uh, OS Geiken, uh for the diff, yep. only the best. Yeah, fancy boy. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I knew that, but I didn't. I can't remember what you what you have suspension wise. Well, the the diff, it, you know, I that's one of the things I won't work on. I won't work on diffs or transmissions or insides of motors. So. Yeah. You know, if it if it fucks up, I don't want to have to take it back apart. So I figured might as well pay somebody <laughs> once to put in a good diff. Yeah, well, you can you can break anything, but not with stock power too easily. But yeah, you know, I I just didn't want to get a worse diff and be unhappy with it. So you know. Yeah, yeah. What did you end up, what What did you end up going with suspension wise? I can't remember. Back then, there wasn't a whole lot of options for the Miata, the NC Miata. Uh, the the big two options before going like real expensive uh triples you know mcs or something like that is uh yeah, the yeah. olin's road and track or flying miata's uh stuff they they okay. and i went with the flying miata stuff it's a uh fox branded coilover um that oh yeah yeah, yeah that i think they have them for the older miatas now too yeah i believe they do uh but yeah i I did that with their track springs or rates or whatever, and a big front sway bar, stock rear sway bar. So NCs uh, are they different? They're, that's still a double wishbone car. Yeah, but it, that's quite a bit different than NB and NA than NA cars than shock wise, right? Yeah, I have no, like that stuff doesn't that stuff doesn't cross. None over. of it does. No, it, it all cross okay. it all crosses over to RX eights. Oh, that's right. It's the same. Like a lot of the RX-8 parts can bolt onto it, right? Yeah, you can unbolt brakes and suspension off of an RX-8 and and 
pretty yep. much bolted right yeah. onto the to the NC. It has different hubs. Yeah, I've read that. It has different yep. different hubs, and that's one of the upgrades for the NC is you bolt the RX-8 hubs on the front and the yeah. rears. It's good to go to RX-8 hubs in the rear too, but then you have to swap a bunch of more stuff. You have to change axles and okay. stuff like that. Yeah, it's not all identical there. Yeah, but yeah, so you know, the, I did that and suspension diff and I don't remember what what else I did, but it wasn't long before I was looking for a cage guy. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> I remember talking to you last last winter about it, and and you were talking about bringing it up to me, and I was no, nah, I just can't do it. <laughs> well, I'm not really a cage guy. I'm just kind of like the guy that can kind of do a cage, and people know. <laughs> you know, I I asked everybody, um, really. Yeah, you know, well, that, I, I it's probably a good way to do a to, to to research a cage. You just start talking to everybody, and then you can get opinions from so many different people and prices and yeah, it never hurts to over educate yourself on that. Yeah, for sure. My biggest advice, if you're going through that, you know, well, my first advice is to just buy an already built car. And then my, my second uh, advice, if you are going to build, yeah. if you are going to build a car, um, go, go through a lot of cage guys and get quotes and trying to try to talk to people who've, you know, used them before Look at pictures of their yeah, work. Yeah, look at their previous work, and yep. You know, a lot of I I heard from a lot of my buddies that went through it, their cars gone for two months, and you know, not happy with the work when it comes back. And so I was just real picky. Yeah, now that that's a pretty common story, and I'm, you know, that's that's part of the reason I don't want to do cages anymore is I don't have any time. It's not a fun thing to do on the side, and you don't want to have somebody's car for three months, you know. Yeah, um, I think for those guys, yeah. like the only way for them to do it at a decent price is is to just do only that, you know. So because then they get yeah. so good at it that they're really fast. Yeah, and it's like second nature then too. It's just you know you're just showing up for work and you're you know you're just making the donuts. Yeah, but I ended up I ended up, I ended up using. Uh, I don't know if he's actually running it as a shop anymore, but uh, a guy named Eric Lister. He was uh, his shop was called Late Apex Fabrication. It was in the Dallas Fort Worth area. And he does a lot of like pro racing crew stuff too, right? Yeah, um, I yeah I think he does. I think he he runs uh, works with a bunch of the IMSA teams and stuff like that too. And I think that might be why he's not doing as much fab work. I think he sort of went yeah. I'm- I remember talking to you when you were doing it, and you said, "Yeah, he f- he does like fly out mechanic work for IMSA stuff, and he's all over the place." So, yeah, I I, I messaged on Instagram the other day because someone was looking for a cage, and he said he st- he still does, he still does them a little bit, um, but not as much as he used to. But if if anyone can get a hold of him to get get the work done by him, he's it was a phenomenal experience. He uh he was crewing for some guys for some the SACA uh super tour last February um at Coda and he actually scooped my car up uh from Austin uh Texas and brought it to Dallas for for me so I didn't have to trailer it up there cuz I didn't have a truck and trailer at that time Yeah that works out well yeah Yeah and then uh it was I I I love how the car looks in pictures the cage looks really good like Really good. He did a he did a great job, man. I I told him I just I was real picky about the door bars. I wanted uh I wanted my door bars to look like Porsche Cup car door bars. 
I don't know why. <laughs> um, I think they're easy to get into, and I'm kind of tall, and I wanted to be able to get out of that car quick if I had to. Yeah. Yeah, so many people don't think about uh, the egress and ingress of the car. And, like, that's a – like, when you're when you're living with a, with a race car, like, the main thing you're going to do is get in and get out of it. When you're in there, it's usually comfortable. But, like, if it totally sucks to get in and out of – then it's also hard to get out of, like if you're on fire, and that that's terrible. But yeah, it's a bunch um, of that's hell. A, it's hard to get in and out of yeah. if you're putting it on the trailer. You know, it just at, yeah. Know. For for me, that's huge. Like getting in and out. Like if it's not fun to get in and out of, like it's not going to be fun. Like in the worst case scenario, either. So, and then you add a you add a halo seat, and you you know you're getting yeah. out of a Miata window, um, six foot tall. Yeah, yeah. Miatas inherently have such a small opening when they open the door. So, and then you know you might not even be able to open the door depending on how you're wadded up there. You know, so yeah, if you're if you're stuffed against the tire wall, right? Yeah, the, uh, the cage design, like I don't know, you, you can really go down a wormhole talking about door bar design and like the pluses and minuses of everything, and it, uh, yeah, it'll make you nuts, but. There's there's always there's always something good about every cage design, really, unless it's you know the truly awful, terrible. But uh, no, I think uh, I think yours is a pretty a pretty solid a pretty solid design. What kind of uh, door bars for listeners? What kind of door bars did you end up going with? It's um it's a X door bar, but if if you've ever seen a Porsche Cup car, they sort of angle out into the door cavity itself. Yeah, kind of a protruding mm-hmm. protruding X. Yeah, yeah so it's. So it's one bar that runs diagonal that's bent outwards, and then the two other bars connect. But it it all ends up like when I'm sitting in my car, the you know the protrusion is you know half a foot away from me. You know, so a lot of protection. Yeah. So so you got a little bit of distance there for slant for us. You know, avoid slamming your knee every time. But. Yeah, and when you get in, um, because the the X is so high towards the rear of the door. Um, yep. You sort of just slide into the seat. Yeah. You know, you just kind of put your ass yeah. on the, the uh, bar there and you just slide slide right in. I had a lot of guys. Yeah. Whenever. Kind of guides you in. Yeah. I had a lot of guys whenever I was, they were saying NASCAR door bars are way easier to get into and all that. And I set in a few of both kinds and I thought the, the as long as they protrude at an angle into the door, I think the X bars are easier to get into. Now, if they do, if they're just kind of, flat X, then those are harder. Yeah, yeah. If it just kind of, if it's if it's straight front to back. Yeah, exactly. Those uh, those seem a little more awkward. Um, I kind of like the uh, protruding the protruding style. That's the the last couple ones that I've done. I've done that way. Um, my hatchback and Brad Adams hatchback are like two of the easiest cars I think to get in and out of. Um, and I, that was kind of how I did them was, you know, I just thought about, you know, all right, I'm going to put my leg here. Like where would my butt want to be if I'm sitting in and out or sliding in and out. And then you know, inherently like the protruding X design kind of just kind of ends up being where you're going to want to sit a little bit, you know, rest on and then you grab and slide right in, you know, but, uh, yeah, the uh, I I like having one bend in a door bar too. I think having multiple bends or even like the S shaped bends, like I don't know, there's just more things to bend again when the car gets hit or hit or hit something. You know, um, the 
the force distribution of a single bend point in the middle aiming kind of up up or down at the nodes uh like where the other tubes connect to the other tubes um that's it seems like a better design for force distribution in my in you know in my feeble little engineer brain but uh no i think the the dude did a good job in your cage i like it a lot so yeah he, what what uh uh what kind of time frame did it did he get it back to you in he took it that february uh, majors race weekend and then I had it back maybe four or five weeks something like that yeah it was pretty quick I remember that yeah pretty quick and I I, I stripped it all the sound deadening out of it but I didn't gut the doors and I didn't take the dash out so he yeah he took the dash out gutted the doors did the cage um fit the dash he, I sent him with, I sent it with some paint and he actually painted the, all the bars underneath the dash for me so I didn't have to take the dash back out and he made me travel windows so my my OEM glass bolts into my doors now mm-hmm. cool and uh, made me a pretty pretty trick uh, solenoid kill switch oh yeah that's right you went with one of those too yeah, I just told him I wanted a kill switch, and this is how he, he said he he does them all. Um, so, yeah, I think there's some other cars with yeah, it so too, a, but it saves a lot of weight on Mike, all that uh, wire. And Mike Taylor, Mike Taylor has one of those too. So yeah, that's nice. Um, yeah, they're basically like you push a button and it kills it. But, yeah, it's super easy. It kills all the power to to all the car and it isolates the battery too, so you don't have to worry about your battery losing losing juice or putting it on a tender or anything. As long as you remember to turn the switch yeah. off, you don't get that satisfying like whunk of flipping the big the big switch, but you do get the more satisfying like push the button and it goes chink. Yeah, <laughs> it's kind of neat. This one is the toggle switch where you have to pull it out and then okay and then kind of swing it down. It has little little metal notches where it sits. Yeah, Mike's got one on his car that you you literally like, push it and you can hear a big like relay go funk and like it disconnects the battery um it's pretty neat like it's it's the first time i've seen one of those but uh there's a lot of there, there there's i've had so many probably so many hours of my life taken up by talking to people about how to wire kill switches and like what should they go with and blah blah like there's so much misinformation and there's so many different ways to do kill switches too it's uh I don't know. If I was that, gonna, uh, that's a that's a it's a wormhole topic for race cars. If I was gonna do it myself, I would have probably would have just done the standard what everyone else does. But uh, after having a car with the solenoid, um, it'll be this way from from here on. Just because it it just seems like less headache, like just way less wire to run. I kind of want to see what uh, what model you have and research that. I remember talking to you about this. This all likes this is all stuff that I talked to you about like eight months ago. I remember, this all like is familiar again, but uh, well, you'll be able the, to. Yeah, it totally depends on car. Yeah, you, like it, it, every car is different where the battery is, and yeah, I think I think it doesn't really it doesn't really matter. I mean, it's going to be better regardless, unless you have a car where. Well, I guess it doesn't. I mean, regardless, I think it's a better option. To, to do the solenoid. Well, so, uh, 
Some cars, uh, you can kind of just put the, the kill switch in the middle of the wire wherever it's running, but it kind of depends on where you're running it to. Oh, the, that's uh, true. I thought you the, had the to... way the way that I've the way I've got mine set up. If I I, I, I put it in the in the battery ground, um, so I'll unless I put unless I have the battery like right next to the kill switch, then yeah, I'm running more I'm running more wire. But I kill the battery ground, and then I on the small terminals I usually kill. In the past, I've killed the ECU power, um, and and. Uh, and there's there's a couple benefits to that, because uh, it, it does kill everything. You know, it shuts everything off. Uh, some people are thinking it need, you need to isolate the alternator because back when cars were carbureted and stuff, um, you couldn't just kill the battery because the alternator will just keep it alive. You know, you couldn't just kill an ECU because it didn't exist. Um, but there is there is there's a lack of uh, there's a lack of a need for like a diode to. Um, not a diode, a capacitor to be in the line in order to absorb like the spool down energy coming from the alternator. Because otherwise, if you don't, if you just chop the alternator off, it can kill the alternator, kill the diodes in the alternator. But uh, I found leaving the alternator hooked to the battery and then killing the battery ground and killing the ECU power. I mean, obviously, it does the required job. But then the alternator is still connected to the battery, and then the you know from the engine spool down the latent power. Uh, that's generated by that, you know, few thousand RPMs of alternator spinning. That stuff has a place to go. It still is feeding into the battery and using it as a capacitor. But now, I, now I probably sound like a nerd. Or, yeah, you lost, or I'm probably you lost me a little bit. Somebody's there. gonna. I think that somebody's gonna tell me I'm wrong. I think that <laughs> my solenoid just completely isolates the battery. Um, I don't really probably, even know how he yeah. set it up. All I know is that whenever the car's running. And you flick the switch, the whole thing shuts off. Everything's off. You can't do anything. No lights, it, nothing. Motor turns off. It, it probably is. It's probably killing a main a main power, uh, and then or fuse box power and battery. There's a lot of ways to do it. There's so many different ways to do it. Um, yeah, uh, some people have problems uh, if they if they don't do something between the alternator and the battery, they kill the power and then they isolate the battery on the small terminal. That or isolate the alternator on the small terminals of the kill switch. Then, when you flip flip the switch, like you only get a couple of them, and then you get a dead alternator because the alternator, had, like the power, has nowhere to go and it burns up the alternator. So yeah, you you don't want that, um, especially on those Hondas. Nope, those things can be a pain to get out. You got to pull the intake manifold or the axle on some of them. But yeah, the uh, no, the I, I found that killing the ECU power on this on the two small terminals of the kill switch is it works pretty good. And and then killing the main battery ground, uh, or maybe I mean you could do battery power or battery ground. Um, the uh, I just the big one I just that, asked the guy smarter than me to do it, and it came back done. So that was my route. It's usually a good way to go. Yeah, uh, I don't have that guy because I, I can't afford to pay him usually because I'm usually uh, over buying uh, used Hoosiers or something. Um, so I have to figure it out. <laughs> but but it, I. I started doing this race car stuff when I had literally no cash. I was making like nineteen grand a year. I had no money at all, <laughs> so it was I had to figure it out myself. But, uh, but yeah, so <laughs> that was a big tangent on alternators and solenoids. Dude, there's always a tangent, man. You got to have a tangent. All right, you can't uh, you can't follow? So you had said like, oh, it's easier to just buy a race car. Well, that's usually 
usually good advice if you buy the right race car. But I had to learn all these things because I bought the wrong race car. And my kill switch didn't work and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> all these things I had to figure out. Yeah, you definitely got to be picky picky about what you buy. But you don't... Mine was cheap at least. You don't you don't know cheap. you don't realize all the nickel and dime it is to get a car completely ready from scratch when you have nothing, you know. You've had no Dude, it's so much. No previous so race much. car before and it's window nets yeah. and it's, you know. Then that's another thing that the cage guy did for me was he he well, you know, did the custom bent window net rod with the t- weld-in tab. Yep. Um which is really nice, nicer than like the clamp-on kits and stuff. Does your does your car have a right side net? No, but I but I have a halo seat. Oh, okay, okay. With a halo seat, you don't need one. Mm-mm. No, not. I okay. mean, the only one. I, yeah. Only people. Every sanctioning body's different. Yeah, so. the only people I've ran with so far is NASA. That's what I did comp school with, and they don't require. They require a right side net if you don't have a halo seat. But okay, I th- I thought they required a right side net, but yeah, I didn't know that. I didn't know about the halo seat. Yeah, halo uh, seat. You don't have to have the so. right side net. Okay, that makes some sense. Yeah, and uh, but it was pretty much I got the car back from from him and took the top off and did a terrible job painting the cage with rust oleum. I'm looking at the gallon of rust oleum in my garage right now because my recording studio is my wife's O3 Civic. Did you get smoke and gray? Gallon of rust oleum. What color did you get? Uh, no, I ended up going with safety red because it's almost identical to the red in the car. Ah, okay. Uh, and I. Uh, I got a special surprise for how I'm going to apply it. I'm not going to tell you. I'll tell you after it's, after it's done, if it works well. <laughs> okay. Okay. And if it doesn't, I, you just won't I say bo- anything. <laughs> no, I was going to brush it on and like brush and roll it. And like, man, that job would suck. Uh, but I don't really want to rattle can it because that job sucks too. Um, so I guess I'll tell you right now, but <laughs> the, at work I use an airless sprayer. Uh, a lot, and it's just like a handheld thing. Um, and you, you put a quart at a time in it. I mean, it still is going to require most of the masking that rattle cans and stuff would, uh, but it's not going to be, you know, not going to be dealing with stupid rattle cans. I'll be dealing with the airless sprayer that I use all the time at work. And I know I, you know, it's very predictable, and I can, it's, it's a, it's, it's a better spray pattern too than like a spray, like a spray can. So it should have less I, uh, less floaty overspray too, like the rattle cans, right? That shit goes everywhere. Yeah, yeah, and it's not going to be and like the you don't have all the aerosol stink and and uh, uh, yeah, I I've never liked like using rattle cans because you get because you're basically you're spraying like a like a three inch circle, um, and my airless sprayer does like a one foot fan, uh, and you can twist it and turn it, you know, like a straight. It does like a one foot straight line. Like an inch wide, uh, if you just like squeeze the trigger and shoot it at a wall, like it'll make like a one foot straight or like an eighteen inch long straight line, and so that's a it's a nice pattern uh, as far as it's it's more like actually spraying a car, you know. That's gonna that's but, gonna uh, be better for sure. The the thing about I, th- I think so the rolling because I started rolling and brushing mine, ended up finishing it with rattle can. Just yeah. just because mainly the cage guy did a good job and got the bars so close to the body that it was just really hard. It's hard to get in there. You know, it was Yeah. Yeah, that's that's kind of the problem. I'm look I was looking at this thing the other night after I bought paint and I'm like, Man, I can't get brushes on any of this shit. 
<laughs> there's just no room. Yeah, you just get end um, up getting paint on your hand and your in your hair and everywhere. Yeah, and then it's gonna look like there's and there'll be brush marks everywhere. Um, but but I didn't want to use like an automotive paint with like a clear coat or like you know some. I wanted to use like a rust oleum that I can touch up. You can, like I can grab a brush and just. You can spray you know, rust oleum. Like if I chip the thing all up. You can spray rust oleum in regular automotive sprayers. I think. I think you can, yeah. But but I'm I'm super used to my airless, which is kind of nice. You don't have to thin it or anything. But but I wanted to be able to like you said in the group chat the other night, like man, being able to touch it up, like that's huge, and like that is huge because I'm gonna like street drive the car. I'm gonna live with it. You know, I'm gonna beat it up. Um, and I'm probably gonna have like some stuff I want to add in during the build process, like stuff I'm not anticipating. Um, so being able to just grab the the leftover gallon and like dab it on there and Rust-Oleum does lay out pretty nice, but I think that'll be nice. But the, the color red is like pretty close to the body of the car, which is, I think it'll work out pretty well. Yeah, I'm going to have to mask off the windows. Match. I'm going to have to mask off a bunch of stuff, clean it, wipe everything again. But, um, yeah, I, I degreased the tubes when I put the car together the cage tubes but i'm gonna have to run them all you know sand run run a little bit of sandpaper and then degrease them all so it uh it'll be a project i'm hoping to have it painted in like a week i'm hoping to have it done by middle of next week and then let it cure so yeah so let's let's talk about that thing a little bit that uh my stupid car yeah yeah because you're gonna do some some actual racing next year right i hope so i kind of miss it i didn't do it this year which kind of blows but so what's the, what's um, the timeline on that car? Because I'm going to keep you honest, get that thing together. I'm um, uh, I wanted to have it done about three weeks ago, and it's not. <laughs> I finished the cage in like December last year, January of this year, and uh, um, I haven't I didn't do a lot during the summer because we get so you know I got I got busy working on the RV and we get busy with events and then. Got a family, and you got and your motorcycle you know, swapped, uh, Lotus. Fraser yeah, that's, thing. that's right. I forgot. I forgot I did that too. That's the car below it. Yep, there it is. And now it's broken. I broke that. <laughs> but the uh, I'm hoping to have it running. Um, probably. I'm, I, I would like to have. I would like to be trying to make it run by the end of the year. So yeah. So uh, we'll see. Tell the listeners like what stage is it in now? I know. I mean, I know it's caged and not painted. Does it have wheels? Does it well, have a motor? the seat is mocked up, or the seat's mounted. The the engine and trans are in it, and they're good. Like they're done. Um, the axles, suspension, everything is done. I finished up the rear rear sway bar fab on set on Sunday, and I did a speedway style rear bar, um, kind of similar to what I had done on my CRX a couple of years ago. Um, the the sway bar, I mounted it under the the rear lower lower control arms, um, and like so when the car sits flat like the arms of it will be flat and they'll be like just underneath the lower control arms they'll be horizontal you know uh and so the sway bar is mounted pretty low but the sway bar can slide the whole entire sway bar can slide back and forth about six or eight inches um and so the arms are long straight speedway style arms which are like you know picture like a nascar it's like a three-piece clamp like it's a straight tube that's splined and then the clamp on bars um and so the arms are drilled in all the same locations uh distance wise from the end links as the sway bar mounts are drilled so the entire assembly can slide back and forth and then the end links are never in bind you know yeah that's um, nice because 
because most sway bars like you you get like three inches of adjustment but like only the middle one like works well the other ones like the end links are in bind in some portion or you get like a two inch adjustment and it's like a little bit here a little bit there how, how are you mounting this that one's thing kinda... to the body because i saw pictures it looked like it was like boxed attached to some yeah i i, I took some five inch by um, probably five inch by two and a half inch aluminum tube or a square tube uh, capped off the ends of it and then like drilled uh, so it's about five inches down and then drilled uh, holes in it to correspond with the factory uh, sway bar and factory tow hook mounts up in the back of the it's kind of like a frame rail inside the unibody it's like a strong portion mm-hmm. and uh, and then spaced that that's like the spacer to drop it down to the right height so and give it a, um, something yeah, the, real solid to mount to right yeah, and and it's still lightweight. It's not like big old clunky stuff. After my CRX was rear-ended, that frame rail was a little bit twisted, so I ended up just making mounts. Um, these are actually the mounts that were on the CRX, but I ended up making mounts out of steel and just welding them to that part of the, the CRX. Are y'all but, running uh, no front bar on those cars? Um, I've ran front bars before, uh, and they do keep the car a little flatter sometimes, but that was years ago. It's kind of trial and error again, but... Uh, the guy who does my who did my suspension, David Whitener, he was on the show a long time ago. I'd like to have him back on. Yeah, he's a Texas guy, person, right? But yep, um, and he's actually just he's actually selling his wheel to wheel car right now to a grid life buddy of ours, Ben Boltheist, Christian's buddy. But um, the uh, the guy who did my shocks, David, he, he they're the the Whitener Bilsteins. They're basically like revalved Bilsteins that he makes work awesome and they're inverted so the springs are at the bottom so the weight is in a better spot and blah 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 yeah but uh he has played with front sway bars um and if you if you set it up right like you can make it seems like with a civic you can make just about anything work it's all really about driving style and like just you know setting up and tire and ride heights and corner weighting and um he has liked it on some tracks, having like a big old front sway bar. But uh, I ran a factory DX sway bar, which is kind of a, it's like a three-quarter inch solid sway bar, I think. Um, I ran that on this car years ago, and I kind of liked it. I had ITR rear sway bar, Integra Type R rear sway bar, which worked out pretty well, too. That's kind of like a one inch and a quarter solid or inch one inch solid. But um, realistically, it's really more about spring rates and, yeah. There's so many little factors, but you can kind of, it's almost impossible to screw up one of these double wishbone Hondas. Like if you can get the tires to kind of plant, like you can make it do things in a lot of different ways. There's a bunch of ways to find a similar end on these cars. There's not like a proven, some guys like 2000 inch pound springs, some guys like 600. It's like, and yeah. they can, and they're both fast as shit. So, so what's all left? You so gotta, you've got to yeah. do your fancy ECU. Yeah, I got to wire that. I just started cutting apart a harness to use the the engine side plugs on. Um, man, look at you! You're 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 interviewing me. You're already working your way into this whole thing. Hey, I'm trying to <laughs> trying to slide in. I'm trying to replace Austin. Where you at, Austin? He's he's well, Austin's here sometimes. He's, Austin's he's, uh, here. Yeah, you do have your own recorder now, so you're going to be kind of like uh, you're my Texas correspondent. Oh, uh, that works for me. <laughs> But now I'm working on the Haltech ECU. I'm doing Haltech Elite 1500. Uh, Chris over at Haltech down in Kentucky uh, got me uh, a nice price on one. They're kind of a Grid Life sponsor too, so mm-hmm. that helps. I'm doing a doing a Haltech branded race pack dash 
Um, and this is all stuff I brought. Like I bought this stuff like a year ago. Yeah, I remember seeing pictures of it in the it group in, chat. But, like, ooh, shiny um, new things. The seat is moved. What's that? I was like, shiny new things. Every you know. Yeah, man. It's like the first nice thing I ever bought for myself. Um, the seat is moved back 14 inches. So the seat is moved back. Like if you're familiar with a with a 88 to 91 Civic, like there's a bump in the floor that the rear seat sits on. Um, and that is what the back of my driver's seat bumps up against. <laughs> so there is no back seat. It's only a two-seater now, or will only be. Yeah, I think it's going to be awesome. Um, what about wheels? The exterior? Uh, uh, the wheels, I I got some Kosai K1s, and then I just bought these cool forged OZs that I've only ever seen like two sets of. Yeah, they look so good. Um, they look so good. There's like a lip. It's a. I think they're OZ. They're called... OZ Ultra Forged is like the name, uh, or Ultra Forge, but uh, people call them Starlights. Also, it's a six spoke with like a like a two and a half inch lip. Should look pretty good. I I love them without tires. I can't wait to put the, I can't wait to throw a set of tires on them and like put them on the ground. Yeah, I'm ready to see that but that the, car. Yeah, right, right now sitting, at lunch at lunch ground. today, I came home for lunch. I was taking some stuff apart, like taking the pedal box apart, because uh, I'm trying to build it. The car that's the hard part of building a car nowadays is like where are you gonna race this thing, right? Um so I've been trying to build this thing to kind of fit in SCCA STL, um, and then in our future soon to be announced grid life wheel to wheel kind of party group, uh which will be like a single class, similar speed to S STL and other similar similar classes, hopefully like some Honda Challenge cars. Some uh, some space agency ST cars, you know. Um, the uh, yeah, and I'm I'm uh, I'm in on those uh, making those rules too. We've got kind of a group of yeah. four or five of us. Yeah, you're part you're part of my rules committee. Yeah, <laughs> so, and, uh, uh, and and like it's a it's a class that I think will be uh, more of like a, let's try to get like forty of our buddies together, like like what you're doing with iRacing. Just get a bunch of people together and have a good time. Yeah, that's the goal. Um, and, oh, we're hoping for a pretty good parity in that class, uh, but but a lot of disparity in builds. Like, you know, a super like my car would be like two thousand pounds, and it's going to be it's SCCA raceway will be nineteen seventy five with me, and then you could also in grid light in the grid life wheel to wheel thing have like, you know, three thousand pound low horsepower V eight or you know a bunch yeah. of different stuff. Because I mean, you um, look at club racing and and whatever organization it is, they're all the same way. You'll you know there'll be three or four or five different classes all running the same lap times and it's like why don't you guys yeah, all race half together? A second. The and, and like some people say oh they make speed differently but like if you look at like right now I think probably the most diverse stuff the most diverse class that I'm like super familiar with because I was I used to be on the rules committee what is like SCCA ST stuff and like. Yeah, the the Miatas and the you know the you get Miatas that are one point six, one point eight, two liter MZR motors, uh, and then you get rotary Miatas and like rotary powered Miatas, which is the thing in STL. And then you get all the different Hondas, everything from like a one point five up to like a two liter, and they're all totally different weights, and they make totally different power, and they make speed totally differently. And it's fun racing; it's fun to watch. But really, those are the only two kind of cars that you see because they really are the only thing that fit under the two-liter, um, you know. And you can see, you see a little bit of Toyota, you know, one point eight, one ZZ stuff. But um, yeah, and our new class I'd love is going to see some that's even more diverse. Our new class is going to be way, way more diverse. 
Um, Hopefully. I mean, at first it'll probably be a bunch of Miatas and Hondas. But, yeah, most likely. Um, but uh, there's a. I mean, the goal the goal is not to be like the biggest race c- group in the world. It's to have like a different element and to show wheel to wheel to a bunch of kids who are at the festivals and at other events, spectating or helping, just show them what wheel to wheel is, and hopefully build up the future of wheel to wheel. Like, because I mean, you've been to club race weekends. I've been to a bunch of club race weekends. There's like no spectators there, and like. Everybody's older than you and me. Um, so is there going to be a future of wheel-to-wheel if, you know... If we don't if get younger people into it now, you know? I mean, and and other groups are starting to... You know, other groups try to do that, but I think we, we have a young, we have the youngest paddock in, in, the, in the world, like, according to many people. Like, why don't we show them wheel-to-wheel, too? Because I think it's the raddest thing, so... Yeah, and that's uh, what anybody that's that's what we all like, yeah, any, and we don't have any racing to do at Grid Life, so we're sort of making our own class. Yeah, yeah. So we can yeah, race it, with all it, our buddies. It'll be, it'll be it'll be kind of a place for you know a spec Miata could come and have a good time uh, for a lot of existing cars, but like we're not trying to pillage from the existing wheel to wheel run groups. We're trying to just show a bunch of a bunch of vape kids that are there for the concerts and the car shows, like how, how rad wheel to wheel is. Yeah, so, exactly. That's the idea. Um, you were, you were at South festival last year and like people still talk about like the couple of sessions that Mike Taylor and Eric Cattill went out and they literally like bump drafted each other in front of all the spectators. There's like a couple thousand kids standing in 10, a 10 B just dropped my phone and standing in 10, a 10 B um, watching them like, bang around 10 a 10 b and then down 12 and uh and a million pictures came out of it of those two cars you know rocking down that down turn 12 and nose to tail and and people like you know kept coming up to them they were they were paddocked by my rv i'm like man that was so fun to watch and like the same thing happened two years ago when eric came to his first grid life um and he and i did the same basic thing at midwest festival and like even this summer, somebody was like, "Man, you still have your CRX? I remember that one time you and that EG hatch, you know, like." Yeah. People people think it's fun to watch this stuff. Like, why aren't we doing it? You know. Yeah, because no one. So that's, no one can. The HPD guys and even the Time Attack guys, they just don't run as close. Uh, they're going fast. Yeah, yeah. But it's something different when you see you know two car two cars wide going in the turn one at Road Atlanta. I think uh, they they at Midwest Festival um, and at Speed Ring because we at the Motivicity Speed Ring event we've been doing bracket bracket battles, but there's not as many spectators there. But at Midwest Festival, I mean, there was like a thousand people along the front straight watching bracket battles. But and 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 so much of that is just because they can see who's in the lead, who's in the front, who's in the back, and like there's there you, you can relate and you can understand like. The competition is right there. You know what the competition is. It's hard to know what the competition is in Time Attack because it kind of looks like a bunch of people just doing laps. If you're not paying attention to Race Monitor or listening to the live broadcast or whatever, you don't know who who just went fast. You don't know how awesome it's been. You don't know what the records are. Uh, but if if uh, like with with wheel to wheel and with bracket battles like you're not going for the record you're going against that other driver or against that pile of other drivers in wheel to wheel you know yeah um so what are we going to bracket battles isn't like a wheel to wheel competition you're not allowed to pass but you can see the difference in speed like if the guy's pulling him in straightaways and then the other guy reels him back in you get all those same kind of 
you know, reference points that you can you can understand that competition minute of right there. Same thing with wheel to wheel. So. Yeah, except for you add, you know, six or seven more cars behind the first two. Yeah, or hopefully thirty. Yeah, hopefully know? thirty. <clears throat> uh, <laughs> hopefully. So, what are we gonna do to keep it to keep it interesting? Short races or? Uh, yeah, that's kind of uh, I've talked to a lot of people about it, and we've talked in our group about it. But man, we we, we shifted topics again. Look at look at you. <laughs> the uh, it's called a the, segue, Mister Jube. Oh, is that what that's called? That's what I heard. The uh, I the thing that I don't like. I love sprint racing, and I've raced with NASA, and I've raced with SCCA, and I think it's rad. Endurance racing is fun. I've done a bunch of that too, um, with Lemons and with NASA or with SCCA. Um, but endurance racing burns the car down. You know, like you gotta you gotta just check over everything after that weekend. Um, sprint racing sort of does too. Like you, a thirty minute race can like. You know, it uses a lot of gas. It burns brake pads, like your tires. You know, if if anything, you know, it it just, I, I think I think fifteen minutes is like the magic mark. Um, it ends up pretty for, spread out after that anyway, except for you know the yeah, spec cars. Yeah, for the competition and for like keeping the cars alive, I think fifteen to twenty minutes is pretty good. Yeah. Um. The first the first five to eight minutes is where all the action. The first and the last is where it all happens. You know. Um, yeah, I, unless I like, you get a yellow flag and they bunch back up, like I like fifteen you know, minutes. You know, flag to flag. You don't ca- don't count the outlap yeah. and all that, but I think that'll. Yeah, that's kind of that's kind of my hope is that we, it'll be shorter sessions and it'll be just a bunch of them. Yeah, um, but, because if you only get a couple races a weekend, uh, like that's that's a lot of like just standing around watching for the drivers. Um, but uh, yeah, practice race qualify or practice qualify race race you know and then like half a dozen more races on a big weekend kind of depends on the weekend every weekend is kind of different with our events but yeah i'm i'm excited about it i think it'll be good so yeah it's- but the, the the way i the way i got into that topic is we were talking about me moving my seat backwards and like like what what do you do for your brake pedals and gas pedals and clutch pedals when you move your seat that far you know oh this is a funny story um, i know this this part it, yeah, so so SCCA, so I'm, tr- I'm trying to build it for all these different classes, you know. Um, and SCCA STL requires you to use factory pedals. Um, and I don't want to use factory pedals because I want to put my seat way far back so it feels more like my Lotus 7 chassis thing. Um, so you can kind of feel the rotation more and because I want my I want my 200-pound, you know, ass 14 inches further back for weight distribution. And safety. Um, so I, and safety. Yeah, and, and yeah. There's, there's literally, there's a huge reason I wanted to do that because I want to use all the door opening to be able to get out of. You know, so my door bars are enormous, and my containment seat is like just behind the B pillar, and so I have that entire door to get out of. Like I have like four and a half feet or four feet or whatever it is. So the car is super easy to get in and out of. Um, but, uh, but I got to use these factory pedals if I want to run STL. Um, and, and I thought, man, I don't want to do that. That's I I tried pedal extensions. I tack welded some pedal extensions on and, and like the arc, like the, the weirdness of it, like it wasn't right. Like your pedal, your foot, you know, when you, when you put a, when you put a huge pedal extension on, like your foot is like dropping weird. And, um, and so I bought a, a set of aftermarket floor mount pedals, um, some OBP pedals and, um, and then I, chop the actual like 
the pedal pads off of the factory pedals and I just put push rods to them and it totally works. <laughs> I'm super stoked about it. So I can't funny. wait. I think there's a picture on my Instagram about it. But, yeah, there is. Um, I, I usually yeah. end up telling people about these pedals and have to go to your Instagram and find it. And you have two Instagrams and I always forget which one it's on. Your Adam Jabay yeah, Instagram or your Slip I, Angle. I have to end up searching both of them. I don't remember which one it's on. It's on one of them, but uh, but then the other advantage is if I ever swap classes or like go to like you know build it into a GTL car or just an HPDE car, I can just put master cylinders on the floor mounts um, and be done with it. You know, so yeah. But it feels totally natural, like the pedal movement, and then you get all the adjustment because I've got these double heim jointed push rods, and like the brake pedal is in double shear on both sides, so it's you know it's got it's got a mount on both sides of the heim joint. The clutch and the gas pedal are just in single shear, so there's like a tab on either on one side of the heim joint. Yeah, so it's like a you get all that adjustment. It's like a spherical um, joint at each end of the push rod, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you get you get the adjustment like you get like an inch of adjustment in each each one of those, and then the, you, I've actually got some up and down arc movement adjustment built into the brake pedal side, to where I can actually change you know the, the lever ratio a little bit. And it's kind of a lot of headaches uh, was, to set up at one of those motorsport pedal boxes too. So this is probably actually ends up being less work. It you know I won't have to like dig down in there and like play with the tiny little push rod on the brake master cylinder i can just adjust this big old heim joint rod real quick you know yeah is that car um, power brakes so. or manual brakes or no i'm going to a full manual brake it'll be um you savage there's some guys in some guys in well if you if you do the pedal ratio right it's just like running boost, boosted brakes yeah <laughs> matt Ferrer can complain about it on the smoking tire all he wants but no <laughs> if the pedal ratio is right it's fine quick quick tangent here i had a little shit box uh integra that I got for like yeah. seventeen hundred bucks because you can just buy those old cars down here in Texas. They don't rust, you know. And yeah, so I had this still alive. Yeah. yeah, I had this little Integra that I used for my last year of undergrad delivering pizzas, and uh, the brake booster went out, and I didn't feel like fixing it, and I just drove it with no brake booster for probably like thirty or forty thousand miles. It just had manual brakes and had a little bit of a rough yeah, idle. That <laughs> You had man, manual brakes and like and a vacuum leak. Oh, so, so that yeah. So then you also have like the wrong uh, ratio too. So you're like your your right leg is probably like twice as strong as your left. Well, that leg. was that was kind of what I was going. What I was saying, gonna say was it really wasn't yeah. really wasn't that bad, you know? No, it'll still work well. That's how I actually learned how to heel toe. Um, I was I, it was like my second year of HPDE, like in '05 or something. And I'm like, and I'm, I'm like the host of the event, uh, and I'm also trying to teach myself how to drive. <laughs> so we, uh, uh, like, I, I'm trying to like learn how to heel toe. I mean, like, there's that back road that we use over by the campground at Gingerman, you know, that goes through where is the campground area by between turn two and turn three, uh, off to the tr- off the side of the track. I'm going up and down that, like, trying to practice heel towing, um, and I, I could never get the like the 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 push ratio down like and then like the the foot movement it just took me forever and i could i couldn't get it on the street like i I always felt like i was being dangerous you know Mm -hmm. um and i couldn't the brakes always felt too touchy and if i touched the brakes like like everything just felt terrible because i'm trying to learn this like foot ankle movement because i've got size 13s you know 
Um, and so I ended up just pulling the booster off the the vacuum line and plugging it and capping it off on the on the booster side to where I had manual brakes. Um, and uh, and so then I could just push as hard as I wanted to. And all I had to do was focus my toe because uh, cause with big feet, I'm not really like healing. I'm kind of using the side of my foot, like more like my ankle. Yeah, like, um, yeah, the you kind of roll your foot to the right. I have size 12, yeah, 12 and a yeah. half foot too, so I do the same, same deal. And I'm doing it right now in the sound studio, the wife mobile. <laughs> the, uh, basically, then I could just focus on the pressure with my big toe and like the ball behind my big toe. I could just focus on brake pressure with that. And then as long as I can keep that pressure steady, I could just roll my ankle. Uh, and I could work on that movement. And I did it for like three or four events. Um, and I would just go out in the back of pack of HPDE and uh, and just work on that. And it ended up like it, it worked great. Like I, I feel super comfortable heel towing now. Um, and I and eventually just went to, uh, you know, boosted brakes again and it was fine. Yeah, but, I think uh, I taught myself just uh, just delivering pizza whenever I was in undergrad in that little Integra or whatever. I delivered pizza in S two thousand for a little bit too. Yeah, but yeah. You've had all kinds of different cars. You uh, and and you do lift and you're, when you were in uh, grad school, you were dri- yep. you, you've probably driven a lot of miles just doing work things. Yeah, a ton. I've always I've always ended up somehow driving for for money. Professional driver. That's right, man. Yeah, that's right. And then now, now, now I'm, you're a driving instructor too. Yeah, and I'm I'm also <laughs> also working home health, so I I'm in the car all day anyway, driving from patient to patient. Yeah, yeah. Now that you have a real a real man job. Yeah, a real man job. Yeah, you graduated, and now you got to pay all them bills, homie. Now now I have actually money to to bring my car to some grid life events instead of just flying in. <laughs> yeah, it'll it'll be it'll be fun to actually see your car in person. I've never seen it. I've seen a lot of pictures of it. But that's about it. But, well, I think um, I think we just did a podcast. We're over an hour already. Yeah, that's pretty crazy. Yeah, it goes by fast, doesn't um, it? It does, especially once you get on a roll of just talking about random bullshit. Yeah. All right. Well, so what uh, what are, what are your winter plans for the car? Anything? So winter plans for the car. It needs a clutch. I know yesterday you you started the you started the car up so it didn't freeze. Yeah, yeah. So because <laughs> it was getting out, get getting cold by you. Yeah, we, it's dipping to like thirty degrees tonight um, for a couple hours. Uh, probably don't even need to do that. It's probably warm enough in the garage, but just to be safe. Yeah, you're probably fine. Uh, but in, anyway, plans for the car are. Let me think. It needs a clutch. Um, so I'm probably just going to do a couple little things. I want to do a, a clutch, a header, cause it still has a completely stock exhaust cat and everything. It's tuned. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> and it has AC too. Uh, yeah, that's gotta be nice and grid. Yeah. Well, you know, in comp school, uh, the last race, cause the way they ran that comp school was they did all the stuff on Friday um, during test day mm-hmm. and you just paid a little extra for that day too. And then, so you started off Saturday morning as a, you know, rookie racer and just ran the, the weekend like normal. So the, the third race, uh, and it was May in Texas. So it was, you know, 85, 88 degrees at least. And, uh, we got a red flag cause of, cause the Corvette caught on fire and, you know, I just pulled over offline and turned my AC on. 
just chilling gotta be so nice <laughs> yeah yeah it's nice nice on grid i'm eventually i want to see yeah. if i can if i can uh because you, you really don't get a lot through your helmet anyway uh no but i, I, no. I want to see if i can uh mount it you know kind of like ducked it into a helmet blower you totally could take take like a passenger side one and just run a go under the dash and like disconnect one of the plastic tubes and put it into like a two inch flexible tube yeah exactly you totally good yeah i mean yeah for, or step it down to an inch and a half or something for the or... short races we do you know it's not not really i don't really get too hot in the car anyway i, I grew up racing motocross in texas you know it's in in a car it's just it's not really that that big a deal the most annoying is you know when you're in your street clothes and you you know you want to move the car or put it on the trailer or or whatever yep. you have that ac blowing in your face you know once 100 degrees here yeah i i would totally keep ac if i could put it in my car without too much of a pain i would totally do it yeah, it's it's, it's <laughs> totally jealous it's pretty cool the cage guy had had done a bunch of those uh old playboy mx5 cup cars so he knew the car real well and he knew it yeah. where all the ac ducting was and he he just did the the dash bar straight through it kind of like goes right through all the ducting like all the ducting kind of goes above and below just by the design of the car and you just open the glove okay. box and the dash bars right there okay so it's actually still in the dash though the the actual dash bar yeah yeah it's it's in the dash but, like but all the ducting is too yeah and all the ducting is too he might have had to trim a little bit but it all comes out of the vents you know when he delivered the car to me yeah. the ac turned on and everything worked uh the the, yeah. the radio wouldn't go back in it that's the only thing so i don't have any music which, which, yeah. which, which is a bummer. Yeah, you got a dash bar right where that radio needs to be, probably. Yeah, yeah, the stock radio was deep. Uh, yeah, keep that, uh, keep that, keep the car minimal mods and start driving that thing a lot next year, man. Yeah, Have that's what I'm gonna do. I'm just gonna, you know, uh, do the clutch, do the header, uh, the the you know low hanging fruit. I'm gonna put one of those Johnny wings on the on the trunk. I think he was on the podcast a couple of weeks ago. The big Wang gang. Yeah, he's coming out with a an NC kit, um, so it'll be real easy. You know, send him seven hundred cool. bucks or whatever he, he charges and bolt it right on. You know, do a plywood splitter, yeah. and then uh, come race some grid life, some grid life wheel to wheel. It'll be fun, man. It'll be fun. Maybe uh, maybe maybe we'll uh, maybe we'll head head west a little bit, make it a little easier for you. I'm coming to all of them regardless. We're working on it. We're working on uh, doing them all over. So, yeah, we'll uh, we'll have things out soon for the wheel to wheel stuff, uh, as far as rules and stuff. But yeah, uh, I can. I, we, pretty, we can pretty simple rules. We can tease a little bit. I mean, it's going to be power to weight off peak dyno number. Um, we've 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 talked about it a bit, but not a lot. It's going to be yeah. like roughly twelve and a half to one power to weight, and then some some uh some easy little you know, some like pluses and minuses. Yeah, yeah, it's it's real basic. I mean, you'll pretty much be able to take any car that's, you know, between 12 to 1 and and 14 to 1 and add weight or take away weight or add a little bit of power. Yeah, or and fit, yeah, fit or right suck in. some power back if it's too go to the go to the dyno and pull some power back or something. But, the, but you know, the beauty yeah, the beauty is it, is it's one class and so you know, not everyone's going to be at the limit of the rules anyway. I mean, I mean, I know my car's not next year. Um, but, be no. but because it's all one class, you're going to have somebody to race against no matter where you are. I, I, I've had a ton of spec Miata guys like over the last two years say, man, uh, I really want to run your events. They look like so much fun, blah, blah, blah. But, but like, there's no time attack place for me to run. Um, 
But man, you take a spec Miata, you pull the spec the spec weight out of it. Uh, a lot of them have like several hundred pounds, you know. And they have a restrictor uh, they can pull right out too. Most of them, right? Yeah, yeah. The bigger motors have restrictors. Uh, just just come play with something like that, you know. There's there's a lot of cars I think that'll fit well and just and, and it'll just be something different, you know. Uh, but really, the big point is to go have fun and and be a place that like you know, chump racers. SECA guys, you know, anybody can, like, just come play for a weekend. Like, we don't want to put anybody out of business. We just want to throw a different party and, and then show it to a bunch of kids so that maybe someday they think wheel-to-wheel -wheel is cool. So, yeah, I don't know. Definitely. Yeah. Hopefully hopefully it's not more, it's not just a, a grand vision. Hopefully it's actually something that works. But we've been it, working on it, it for better, two years. It better work. Uh, I built a car for this damn class. Well, you you built it for something else, too, but. Mainly for this class. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You've been talking about running STL at VIR at, at runoffs next year, too. So. Oh, I talked about that for a short minute, and then I got a quote on a motor, what an STL motor Oof. cost, and uh, I'm out on that, guys. So A, a two-to-the-limit a two STL, a two-liter MZR, uh, what does that cost? Um, More than 15 and less than 20. Oh, yeah, and that is that with ECU and management. That's stuff? no, that's no ECU. Oh my! And gosh. that's that's out of the car. You know, that's just the full long block with custom header and everything, but no, no ECU. That's so much money. Yeah, and they don't last near as long either as a Honda's. No, D Danny Stein, the current STL national champion, he has bought what six motors in two years or something like that. Yeah, I think he said on the forum something like six. Yeah, six motors six and, and two. three. It's been a lot. It's been a lot. I think he. I've, I think I've, he had some other issues with that. With that setup that blew those some of those motors early. I think that may be a little exaggeration, but I know that they don't last a long time. I and they're only making a little over two hundred horsepower. I wonder why those things are such time bombs. But yeah, I think to, I, I think to just to keep up with the Hondas because the Hondas are so good out of the box. I feel like if you had somebody put the effort into a Honda motor like a K20 that that he's putting into that MZR, it would be even better, you know. I I know a couple of, and they both have to run. They're both two liters. They both have to run a small restrictor, 50 millimeter, I think. But um, I know a couple of people have made pretty good power running uh, kind of to the limits with a. Uh, with a K20 in STL trim, like fully built motors, and the thing is too, and they're that, making more. They're making more power than he's claiming. Well, the but. the K20s, you know, you can buy all the parts. A lot of that stuff for the MZR, you know, it's all custom. Yeah, yeah. So you could make a more gnarly motor for probably cheaper because the parts exist. But that yeah. that STL rule rule sets kind of like in the middle of what they make for the motor, and so you, you yep. know a lot of the stuff has to come custom. So you know a lot of a lot of rules end up being like that. Like uh, for SEL, it's you know to get the best wing, you have to have it custom made. Where if they would just open up the rules a little bit, then you could use one of the cheaper Johnny wings. You know. Yeah, it's not off the shelf stuff. Yeah, you could run a Johnny wing through a table saw. Probably work. Yeah, yeah, you'd have to cut, cut some of that cut cord that last off. Half inch off. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but the cord's too big, I think. Uh, yeah, yeah. You got you have to cut a little bit off. We, I think I asked him about it. On the yeah, show, I, I think he's planning on cutting them down or doing something to try something. and get one for the STL guys. 
But yeah, that car I have won't won't ever be ran in SEL. I mean, f- the way I plan on setting it up for Grid Life Cup, it might uh, end up being a 2.5 liter. But the the way I'll have it set up, I, I might be able to to jump in the the local Coda Super Tour and do like run an STU or something, try and win some tires. Oh yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. It could probably it could probably fit fit pretty decently. In STU. Yeah, I mean, you wouldn't be able to run not, it nationally not or anything. End, it, but, if, yeah. if I was ever going to do runoffs or anything like that, I'm, first I need to work for a little bit longer and you know get the savings more stacked up. But I would more probably do dedicated one year, either buy a, a new Spec Miata build and run Spec Miata or buy a Honda dedicated towards a class and then just sell it at the end of the year. You know, Just do it one year yeah. and then go back to what I was doing before, you know. Try to try to buy the best thing you can for whatever class you choose, and then try not yeah. to wreck it and get yeah. your money back at the end. You know, uh, there's a lot of people that are doing things like that, uh, especially with the traveling runoffs. You know, the runoffs and the NASA national championships bouncing all over the country. People are yeah trying to find the car the car for the track and the car for the class, and then you see a lot of cars for sale after the runoffs and the national yeah. championships. So. Well, I bring I bring a lot of stuff like from when I race motocross. You know, it's very different. Um, the, you know, the, the bikes are disposable items. They're just tools. You, you get new ones every year, you know? Um, yeah, and, and a few thousand bucks. Yeah. Well, now they're like seven and 8,000 a piece. Um, yeah. but you know, you'll, you know, the fast guys will get discounts from their dealer and you know, you, you run them for a year, you get them early, you run them for a year and you sell them right before the new model comes out and you end up not losing right. as much money as it would cost to rebuild them. And, uh, and those guys, you know, all the, all the high end, you know, fast dudes in motocross say they don't even run their race bikes only in races. They practice on practice bike and then run on the race bike. Yeah. I wish I could practice in my practice STL car or grid life cup car. It'd be nice. Wouldn't it? If you could just have two <laughs> Would be. cars are just so much more work to run. Um, they are Yeah. in store and maintain, but I kind of. You know, I'm, I feel like I'm a car guy separate from a racer. You know, like I don't even really like NC Miatas. I think they're kind of ugly, but it it <laughs> it made it made for a good car. You know, it was cheap to prep and and fast for the yeah. for the classes it fits in. Uh, I think I think with a little bit of front end work, like uh, an air dam and uh, and a splitter and a wing, I think they're kind of cool. They look tolerable, um, but yeah, you know, yeah, they look better, but. Whereas, you know, I would never have one of those for a street car. You know, street car, let's get a Porsche Cayman or something, you know, something pretty. Uh, but for a race car, yeah, it's just, prettier cars. for a race car, it's just whatever does, you know, the best job, run run for the cheapest. And Whereas you're, you kind of, yeah, you it, love it, your race more car. More of a tool. Right. What's that? Whereas on the other hand, you're, you're like in love with what you're going to be running next year. That's like your baby. Well, it's been my car for almost 20 years. Yeah. yeah. It's just kind of my, it's the car that got me into the hobby. It's more of like a, it's not a tool. It's kind of like, it is the hobby to me. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like building the car up and everything like that. Yeah. And, and like this, this particular shell, like this shell I'm not drawn to all the 88 to 91 Civics like this, but this one, this is the one for me. I can't sell it, so what am I going to do with it? I'm not just going to use it as a shelf in the garage. Yeah. Um. So that's why, like, people have asked me, like, "Wow, but what if you wreck it? Wouldn't you be sad?" I'm like, well, no, that's like that's the only way I'm going to get rid of this thing. <laughs> <laughs> the only, gotta, only, only death it will make. 
yeah, man, that's uh, and then I'll just throw all the parts into another one and then like not like it and then sell it and then I'm done with Hondas, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I to me like this this is the car that got me into it and like it got a lot of other people into it too, you know, by proxy. The one that of, started you know, it all. I, for for me, yeah, and then, you know, and then me and buddies started getting other people into it. So this car has ruined a lot of lives, you know. Yeah. Uh, it's the car that uh, got me into doing stuff, so it's the one that I want to do stuff with again. I, I when I was when I was racing my CRX uh, and Lemon CRX, and I don't know, it, I really haven't done much with this car since like '09. Mm-hmm. Uh, when it was fe- it was featured in Super Street in like an '09, um, and I really haven't done anything with it since, like except for you know driving around a little bit. Uh, but I got into wheel to wheel stuff, and like it sucked me into that rabbit hole. It does, doesn't um, and it? So the street car, yeah, the street car slash HPDE car kind of got parked, um, and now it's going to be the race car. It'll be the one that I, it'll be the one I I play with, and I'm looking forward to it. So, the CRX was a tool. My Lemons car was a tool. Like, I, I miss, but then this car just kind of always sat there, and I'm looking forward to it being uh, all the things that I do in the car hobby. You know what I mean? Yeah. It makes it a, a lot easier to keep up with just one, that's for sure. Yeah, I I've been thinking about mothballing the uh the little Fraser Sports Racer for a while just so I can focus on the one of them. But Yeah. I mean, the Fraser is really cool, um but if you actually got that thing dialed, it would be so much faster than anything else that that would run oh, yeah, like a yeah. HPDE, yeah. you know, and also small and you, you don't want to get run over in that thing. Well, yeah, I I mainly I mainly don't want to just get rid of it because it's kind of like it needs a little bit more dialing and it might need a new motor or something now and uh, I don't I don't really know it's got a little bit of a knock to it but I don't know what the knock is but um I just don't want to work on it right now but I also don't want to throw it away cheap yeah I don't know just yeah just let it sit <laughs> you you have a place to put it so just let it yeah sit. I'll bring it to my buddy's house hopefully anyway uh, buddy well I'm gonna go to bed. Thanks for uh, hanging out on the podcast. We should do this again in the next week or two. Yeah, yeah. Let's let's keep them keep them consistent. Keep them going. Well, we'll see if we can get Abe on this one or Austin on this one, and uh, or, and uh, and have a uh, have another regular team. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's more fun to do this stuff with with other people. Like having Abe help has been a big help, and Austin's not really into cars, but we still rope him in once in a while. Yeah, and we've <laughs> so. uh, and Kristoff has been on the show. Ryan Kristoff, he races GTL and does the Grid Life. He's a director of instructing, or what's his title? Yeah, he and Scott Giles are our chief instructors, basically. Chief instructors, yeah. Well, he's coming into Austin Thursday um, with his work doing something at Coda. And I'm gonna meet up with him for some mm-hmm. beers and bring the recorder and try and do a little show there. Yeah, see, if, see if you can get him talking. Yeah, I'm sure that won't be too much work. If uh, if it sounds good, it'll be a show. All so. right, all right, man. Well, right, I'll man. talk to you later.